the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Some men aren't looking for anything logical. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Welcome back to Panastoria, everybody. My name is Jonah. I'm Lindsay. Kevin is also present on my microphone. Yeah. And kind of flashback in time because we're back to... Remote recording. Because uh, shit kind of hit the fan in Alberta, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's it's just not good. Uh, so it does kind of suck, but I can live kind of deal. With that said... Uh, the creepy spliced music thing you heard at the beginning is actually going to be uh, the... You'll be hearing it a lot more now. So we're introducing a new segment to the podcast called the Fuck Faces of History Power Rankings. Um, <laughs> and uh, there is a story. There is a story behind this, but we will get, we'll get to, to that. It. So how it works, more or less. We've talked about a lot of evil people throughout our, our podcast, and we'll surely talk about many more. And uh, what we're doing is ranking them in order of how awful they are. So there's some criteria for making the list. Uh, we have to have talked about them in an episode already for them to be on the list. Uh, with the idea being that after we talk about somebody in an episode, um, at the end of the episode or whatever, we'll slot it in somewhere, probably at the end, um, we'll have a little segment where we rank that person on these rankings. So uh, for those of you who haven't figured this out already, I'm really into sports. So that's where the idea of a power rankings kind of came. Uh, it's just kind of funny. And uh, it's basically a, uh, and like a, a slide of like it, it, an adjustable rankings. So it's uh, it moves. However, there are a few fixed, fixed, uh, fixed humans on this list. Cause they just, they're never going to move. But anyway, some of the other, yeah, one and two probably aren't going to get bumped off their spots, but I imagine we'll have some interesting conversations about why we think they go certain places. And anyway, the idea behind this is just that, uh, I don't know. It's fun. Um, <laughs> why not? So the other thing is that this list can include anybody. It doesn't have to be necessarily a dictator or someone like that, but essentially anybody who's done anything particularly egregious, uh, that human rights abuses, war crimes, things like that generally will land you on this list. Um, but you don't necessarily have to be a military leader or a, you know, the leader of a country or could be anybody really. So that's fun. <laughs> and also leads us to have a, a very diverse list, which is also good. There's some categories we have here. Um, so there's dictators, obviously, uh, warlords, both military, paramilitary, mass murderers, megalomaniacs, extreme prejudice. Uh, we'll kind of explain as we go. Conspirators. Um, so they plotted to commit atrocities, acts of war, etc. Um, Nazis are their own category because, yeah doesn't really need explanation it doesn't really need explanation and then there's colonialists so people who partook or who took play or who took part sorry in the planned colonization of a land or people that had horrific consequences so you know eventually we're going to be talking about king leopold lands very squarely on this list probably pretty high uh, and uh yeah so i guess should we explain the origins of this particularly strange segment yeah lindsay and i were just messaging each we're just like every, we message each other every day and just kind of like shoot the shit of what, what we're doing and she was watching a 
it was a Top Gear. Top Gear special. Yeah. And where they went to Romania. Yeah. And they drove this highway. I can't remember the name of the highway. I can't pronounce it exactly. <laughs> but they said they called it the most beautiful high, like the, the best highway ever. Top Gear did. And the, yeah. Well, it's it's considered that they so they went to Romania because Top Gear had considered a different road the best driving road in the world, and Romanians were like, "Oh, whoa, 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 come here." Fair enough. So they did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she was Lindsay was explaining to me to me like the, yeah like was just basically explained what she just explained here. And the highway was built by Ceausescu. Yeah, and she couldn't Added context. She, she couldn't like no like. I don't blame her. She couldn't really be bothered to spell his name. It's it's hard. And so she said That's it was annoying. Yeah. So she said it was built by Fuckface. And I like I just like instantly knew I instantly knew who she meant. Because there's only really one and Romanian fuckface that can be named. So it got us to talking about various other fuckfaces that exist in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of started to it started like kind of as an I I it, somewhat started as an idea i was like i should write a blog post about the fuck faces we've talked about and then that's when Lindsay, like her spark of creativity popped up yeah yeah we decided that we were just well we were having kind of a discussion about who we thought was sort of worse like and all the terrible people we've talked about and then yeah we decided well to do something with that and then uh the power rankings just kind of came to me uh, i thought it would be hilarious to rank them and change it up and sort of give various reasons for why we think they should go somewhere because uh in all seriousness while it is hilarious and it was a joke to some extent i do think there's like an important exercise in it where it kind of forces us to like i don't know not make an argument for why someone should be somewhere on the list and kind of like properly sort of frame how maybe it's not productive in terms of like why do we need to frame where atrocities are they're all atrocities but it's it's at least an important exercise, maybe, and just kind of perspective. Yeah. At the very least, it's just going to be funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're basically you're going to spend the next like I don't know hour and a half of us just bad mouthing the horrible people we talked about. Yeah. So, anyways, we decided to make a particularly intro. We, we decided to make its own since it's going to be its own segment. We'd give its its own little intro. So, that was what played at the top of the episode here. With that, I feel like we can probably just launch into this. Let's, yeah, let's just launch um, into it. So actually, sorry, before we start, before we start, I guess we should clarify um, the format of this episode. So we are going to go through the top, ten, the top 10 or so people who are on the list. We've already ranked them. Yeah, so we're going to, we ranked the first, what, 20 something people? That something we've like about. 25, I believe. Yeah, we're going to go through the first, at least the top 10, maybe top 15 in some more detail. And then after that, we'll just kind of tell just tell people where the other ones are. But then the idea going forward is that after we talk about somebody else in a new episode, we will slot them in on this list. And they're basically like, all of these people are essentially like, like a rubric almost. <laughs> like there's like criteria and these people sort of, there's tiers and you'll sort of see lines along that. So I guess that's just to clarify, just to clarify the format. We are, we are going to actually in the future debate a little bit more about where people are going to go. But right now, we've figured it out already. We figured for your entertainment, uh, it would be easier if we just go through it this way because it would be funnier and less. <laughs> we kind of just need a bit of a break from life as things are going on. Yeah. So this is just our way of having fun and hopefully you having fun as well. 
Absolutely. But yeah, us, uh, in the future, we, in the future, we'll be having more debates about where people slot in, but right now, uh, we're going to tell you our list. And I mean, if you have any, like, if you disagree, I guess, and think someone should be higher or lower, uh, please give us that feedback. We're happy to debate this. Also, if you have ideas for people you'd like to see on the list, we're always happy to see here. We, we just, we just want feedback. Uh, yeah. If you hate this segment, we'd like to know that too, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. We'd prefer to hear it. We'd prefer to hear if you love it, but yeah, I guess we can take constructive criticism. For sure. And as anyways, as I, as I once joked, this is uh, us continuing our tradition of strange Christmas episodes. Because <laughs> we are good at this that, is yeah. our Christmas episode this year. Last year was Romania. Okay. And yeah, but hey, uh, the inspiration for the fuckface list. Exactly. So number so one, it all ties in together. Yeah, absolutely. So number one is the greatest fuckface of all time in perpetuity is Adolf. We decided to give that to Adolf Hitler. I don't really think there's a lot of debate here. You know, killed six million Jews, fifty some million people all over the well, hunt more than that, hundreds of millions of people. Was well, instrumental really, but... in, instrumental in starting the the worst war we've ever seen in human history. Yeah, just all around awful human beings. Absolutely. So, I mean, also Mein Kampf is an atrocity not against just because it's anti-Semitic and awful. It's also an atrocity for like literature. It's, it's that. Awful. Yeah. It's, I have read. Read is a bit of a, a a bit of an overstatement, but I tried. I skimmed reading it I just to it. just to kind of see what it was a like what was like what it was all about and yeah aside from everything that he says it's just oh boy, so it badly unpleasant. written cool. that, yeah, it is unpleasant in more than one way yeah it but, is a crime against literature <laughs> so after that we decided to go with our old friend uncle joseph stalin <clears throat> who was our runner-up uh to grand greatest fuckface of all time in perpetuity um <laughs> Dictator, he fits really all the, uh, hits, really hits all the categories. Uh, dictator, conspirator, extreme prejudice, mass murderer, megalomaniac. For those who aren't familiar, he was Soviet premier from 1922 to 53, so 30 awful years. Started off as a thug for the Bolsheviks, participating in robberies, kidnappings, and racketeering. So basically, he was just the communist Russian mafia. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one. I like that, Jonah. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Look at you jumping in on the party. Oh, funny things. All right. Uh, really, you really understood the essence of this segment. I, I did, that. yeah. I had fun writing the notes. Uh, yeah. He was founder of the Socialism in One Country ideology, uh, instigated the five-year plans, overall not great, uh, the disruption in the agricultural sector to led to a massive food shortage and severe famine in, 20, in 32 and 33, which killed upwards of 33 million people from starvation. Oh, sorry, 3 to 12 million. I'm an idiot. <laughs> My bad. That was a little high. But honestly... You never know. Yeah. I'm sure that there was a lot of deaths in Stalin's time <laughs> that really bumped that number up over overall. But between 3 million and 12 million people died uh, during this uh, genocide, which is also known as Holomador. And then again, during the Great Purge, right before World War II, Stalin oversaw the imprisonment or murder of over 700,000 people between 34 and 37. So... When war came, it wasn't really great for him because all of his top war aides had been killed yeah. or were in gulags. So he began the gulag prison system, which I'm going to insert a really shameless plug here. My ex-professor, well, former professor, I guess I did have him, Wilson Bell, 
has a book currently for sale. It's called Stalin's Gulag at War, Forced Labor, Mass Death, and Soviet Victory in the Second World War. And it is currently for sale, and it's super good, and you guys should check it out. Anywho, shameless plug for Wilson. Shout out, Wilson. It's available on Amazon and other retailers. Uh, Bezos probably doesn't need your money. Anywho, capitalism in the middle, <laughs> capitalism in the middle of a communist segment. <laughs> or section. This is great. <laughs> Stalin would really appreciate the plug. Um, oh, yeah. But anyways, so he began the gulag prison system where so-called enemies of the working class or enemies of the state in most other countries were sent and worked to death or, you know, they froze to death or were just literally shot. You know, they died. A lot of people died. Uh, a lot of those camps actually still exist. In some ways, they were just converted into the regular Russian prison system, so... Not great, but anyways, Stalin negotiated the non-aggression pact with the Nazis and jointly invaded Poland, which promptly backfired. And during the invasion of the Soviet Union by the Germans, Stalin ordered the not one step back decree, which saw Soviet soldiers essentially be gunned down by their commanders for retreating. You were basically like, go get, get shot by the Germans or get shot by us. It's really your choice, but you'd probably want to go get shot by the Germans. Following the war, he began an anti-Semitic campaign known as the doctor's plot. He was extremely anti-Semitic and was really through his whole time. It just, he took a break during the war because, well, the Nazis yeah. were doing a good job of it for him, unfortunately. See also why Hitler beat out Stalin. <laughs> anyway, Stalin suffered a stroke in 1953. And ironically, the most competent doctors that could have helped him were already locked up or killed. And as a result, he died. LOL. His successor, Nikita Khrushchev, who denounced Stalin and began the process of destalinization, is not on this list. <laughs> You want to just all keep alternating, essentially? Yeah, basically. So It's like a snake draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm good with One that. One after the other. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So we, we, we decided to, to place Theonos, Theonest Begosora uh, as number three. And for those of you who listened to our Rwandan genocide episode, he is the man behind the genocide. Yeah, He falls under the categories of mass murderer, conspirator, and extreme prejudice. He was a colonel in the Rwandan Armed Forces from 1964 until 1994, and was also Chief of Staff of the Ministry of Defense from June 1992 until July 1994. He was opposed to the Arusha Accords, which sought to bring peace to, during the Rwandan Civil War, which was between the Hutu-led uh, Rwandan government and the majority Tutsi Rwandan Patriotic Front. He founded what are known as the Interhomway militias and helped distribute arms and machetes to them. Following the shootdown of President Habarimana's plane, he established the, what is known as the Crisis Committee and had Prime Minister Agath Awilingmana murdered along with her UN bodyguards. He gave the order for Radio Milkolin to broadcast the code phrase, cut the tall trees officially beginning the genocide. In only three months, up to 800,000 people were massacred and 500,000 women were raped. Following the renewed Rwandan Patriotic Front campaign and with government positions falling one by one, Begosora fled to Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where he attempted to recruit Hutu extremists to form a military group to fight the new RPF government. However, he was later captured in Cameroon in 1996, then faced trial by the ICTR in Arusha, Tanzania. He was found guilty of genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes, and given a life sentence on December 18, 2008. 
However, his sentence was reduced to 35 years on appeal. The good news is that he still has 10 years left, and it is unlikely he will be free again due to failing health. He's 79 now, and he'll be 89 if he ever gets out. Sucker. Yeah. I think it's pretty fitting that he, he's at number three. Yeah, absolutely. And he starts a run, well, kind of, a small run of, uh, well, at least two genocide, well, mass murderers and genociders, I guess. Uh, he's Yeah, he's the beginning of a, a three-person run here on just awful awful people who killed a lot of humans yeah so um number four is the butcher of bosnia ratko mladic he ticks the categories of mass murder extreme prejudice and warlord for those of you who are newer to the podcast we did a four-part series at the end of season one on the yugoslav wars and uh, tragedies therein and we talked about this asshole and uh he was the leader of the army of Army of Republika of Srpska, or the VRS. Um, he conducted some of the worst atrocities during the Bosnian War. And again, for those of you who haven't listened to the episode, Bosnia was by far the worst conflict of the different wars. In, in terms of conflict. the amount of dead and the amount of atrocities committed. And just the fact that it was mostly ethnic, ethnically related, like it was the nature of the conflict, like everything about it was just yeah. really bad. Uh, and Bosnia is still by far really the furthest behind in all of the countries still as a result. There's still definitely a lot of ethnic tension in Bosnia because not one single ethnic group is a minor- is a majority. Yeah. And as a result, the temporary agreement that stopped the war is actually still in place. So anywho, like we said, he conducted some of the worst atrocities of the Bosnian war. You probably heard of the Srebrenica massacre of 1995, which resulted in the deaths of 8,372 Bosniaks. That was all on Ratko. Uh, the men under his command also conducted mass rape, arson of Bosniak villages, etc. So uh, rape, pillage, and burn really sums up Ratko's existence entirely. That's his personality, pretty much. Yeah. Um, he was eventually arrested in 2011 and found guilty of genocide, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. He is currently serving a life sentence. And uh, he was considered such a high, high priority that his capture was a precondition for Serbia's ascension into the European Union. So that's a big freaking deal. Yeah. He's a Isn't that crazy? Huge He's a real big fuck face. You guys can join in if you get us smudge. However, we want the dude who killed all the people. Yeah. Give us him. And then maybe we'll think about it. It was a good call on Serbia to hand him over. Uh, (laughs) I think at this point, uh, yeah, Serbia, even at this point, it's just Serbia's just like, yeah, we're going to give you all of the people that. Yeah, they're not stupid. No, they're not. On that front, we'll just continue on um, to Radovan Karadzic, uh, who mass murderer, conspirator, extreme prejudice, also warlord. Uh, the reason we call these guys warlords is that, well, the Republic of Srpska wasn't actually really the official army. It was really no different than any of like the militias that exist in Africa that we yeah, are, are like so it, it was in. very similar to Inter Amway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so they were doing this really for profit and for their own gain in lots of ways among other other awful motivations so that's really why we call these guys warlords by the way also it's just Um, it's just simple to like categories a whole plethora of different like military types into one category so yeah exactly they were aggressive with guns yeah and also warlord i guess has negative connotations and we don't want to put positive connotations on these people whatsoever so true facts yeah so anyways redivan uh, he was the first president of the Republic of Srpska from 1992 to 1996. 
He ordered the Bosnian Serb armies to ensure the UN safe zones were denied access to the means of survival. His role is kind of slippery in a way because he was never really like, he was like, he gave, he gave orders, but they weren't necessarily like, you know, go kill those people. It was like, just denied access to their safety (laughs) and like kind of side orders like that. So, well, he did also order UN personnel to be taken hostage. So he did do that. He ordered the Srebrenica massacre in 1995. So we put him below Ratko in part because he ordered it, but he didn't partake. And Ratko really just turned up the, he turned up the brutality to 11. Radovan lived as a fugitive in Belgrade, posing as a specialist in alternative medicine and psychology until his arrest in 2008. So this fucker got away for a long time and like lived in his own country, which is ridiculous. Like usually you flee to, like the Nazis fled to Argentina. Like yeah, they fucking hid. Like well, this that dude was, just lived in plain sight. Yeah, that was the interesting thing about a lot of these fugitives is a lot of them just stayed in Serbia. Which to be, I guess, to be like shady, I guess not shady, to throw some shade at Serbia, it's like, well, goes to show that honestly the tensions are all really still there. And in the end, they probably don't hate, like they don't respect what those dudes did, but they don't care enough to really get rid of them all the time. Yeah. But then of course that started changing with like yeah. near the end of the or, uh, end of that decade. As soon as they had an economic reason to give a shit, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. We'll, we'll get these guys in jail. That's cool. Anyway, he was found guilty of genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes by the International Criminal Tribunal and sentenced to 40 years in prison. He appealed the decision, but the appeal was rejected in March 2019, and his sentence was increased to life. Karma, bitch. Uh, <laughs> sucks to suck. Yep. So he's, he's pretty- going to die in the Hague. The the thing is though is like I wish it was in a Serbian prison. I feel like that would be way harder than in a Dutch prison. It could be worse. Like I feel oh yeah, like prison absolutely. In, I feel like Dutch just Dutch prison just feels soft. I don't know. Even, I feel like he deserves worse. Even being in prison in the United States would be worse. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. In Canada, well, it would be worse in Canada for sure. Yeah. So the next two are kind of strange because they're still yeah I guess it's still kind of modern and still these two characters characters these two two monsters are still have have a massive impact on our current like state of things today and the first person we're going to talk about is osama bin laden he strikes the categories of mass murderer extreme extreme prejudice and warlord he is the co-founder and leader of al-qaeda from 1988 to 2011 He was born into one of the wealthiest families in Saudi Arabia, the Bin Laden group. Or, yeah, the Bin Laden family who, I don't know exactly, like, what they were, but they, like... Bin Laden group? The Bin Laden group sounds like a company. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the name of their company, yeah. I know, it's just funny. It sounds like a freaking, like, multinational corporation, not a family. (laughs) Yeah, it, it definitely is. But they own a whole shit ton of different types of industries like there's weapons manufacturing and like different kinds of businesses and finances and whatnot he joined the mujahideen in afghanistan fighting against the soviet occupation and received american and saudi funding and training during the soviet afghan war after the soviet afghan war ended he launched a massive anti-western campaign in 1996 targeting American embassies in Africa. This resulted in the deaths of 224 people. He also ordered the bombing of the USS Cole, killing 17. 
He is also the mastermind behind the September 11th attacks, which killed 2,977 people, destroyed the World Trade Centers, and damaged severely damaged the Pentagon, and later led to the American, uh, well, NATO intervention in Afghanistan, which is still going on today. He continued to lead Al-Qaeda via his base in Pakistan until he was killed in a spec ops raid on May 2nd, 2011. That's, the, it's it's interesting. It was a very interesting when we talked about him in the Soviet Afghan episode, just because we're like, a lot of like shit that has happened in our lifetime is because of him. Yeah, like a lot. Yeah, like <clears throat> a lot, a lot. Like a defining moment, like a defining tragedy of our generation is because of him. Yeah. Like it's it's oh, insane yeah. to think about. And it's also weird because like how like Lindsay and I have talked about this, how early it is to like kind of even try and comprehend what type of an impact these events have had. Like you you remember that you remember that conversation yeah. we were kind of oh, having, yeah. 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 And I mean we mostly it was in the in the terms of like how it's portrayed in uh cinema. But it also boiled down to how we as historians can even comprehend like what type of like how big it's how much it is impacted or how much it'll further impact our lives. But what we definitely know is how much it has already impacted people's lives. Uh, The other individual who is related to uh, in relation to Osama is Abdullah Yusuf Azam. Uh, the second terrorist fuck based on our list. Uh, he is uh, falls under the category mass murderer, extreme prejudice, warlord, and conspirator. He was a Palestinian Islamic scholar and theologian, and is considered the father of global jihad. Literally, groups from Al Qaeda to ISIS to you name it can be all drawn back to this man. Yep. He was one of the one who called for the for Muslims across the world to converge on Afghanistan to fight against the Soviets, and he was a mentor to Bin Laden and the man who radicalized him. So, again, without Abdullah Yusuf Assam, there probably would not have been a nine like a nine eleven. Like, well, there probably wouldn't have been this kind of mass global jihad that we're seeing today. He acted as the co-emir, quote-unquote, of Al-Qaeda for a year before he was killed by a car bomb in Peshawar, Pakistan. So who knows what further impact this man could have had if he, if he had lived beyond that point, considering how much of an impact he's had even after his death. And it's definitely kind of a scary alternate history thing to think about, like what kind of impact this man could have had if he had you know more time to think up of shit yep at number eight is the uh inspiration for this list nikolai and elena ceausescu the romanian dictators and uh yeah like the reasons this list exists so (laughs) the yeah dictators conspirators megalomaniacs to the extreme general secretary of the romanian communist party de facto or de facto leader of the country from March of 1965 to December, 1989. Um, he also had the title of first president of Romania because Ceausescu wanted it all really. And he got it all at the cost of many, many lives. 
Um, he was chosen as the successor to Gorgi Day uh, following his death, seen as a compromise candidate, which was a big fucking mistake. Anyways, he was initially popular due to his establishment of an independent foreign policy, easing press censorship and criticism of the invasion of Slovakia or Czechoslovakia. In 1966, he adopted one of the strictest anti-abortion and anti-contraception laws in, in the world, leading to mass infant abandonment in poorly managed orphanages. During the 1980s, the country's foreign debt became so severe that Ceausescu began exporting much of Romania's agricultural and industrial products, which led to massive domestic shortages and led to starvation and uh, electricity and heat being scarce. So uh, the standard of living in Romania was extremely poor. A lot of people froze to death, starved to death. It wasn't great. And then on top of that, the Romani people uh, who were greatly neglected were even in even worse poverty, essentially, and unprotected from hate crimes. And they were a prime target. So people who were frustrated with their shitty lives took it out on the Romani. They are still definitely feeling the re- effects of that today. Uh, and that prejudice has never gone away. No, at all. there's still widespread prejudice <laughs> against the Romani people across yeah. eastern europe uh, across europe in general in general to be yeah honest. yeah so uh Ceausescu frivolously spent millions to build the 365,000 square meter house of the republic despite millions in poverty freezing and starving he also built that highway that we talked about earlier yeah, uh, yeah this <clears throat> i forgot to put in the notes apologies but yeah this building is the it's the heaviest building uh, ever built it's really ridiculous yeah uh, we did. I remember how, like, it, during this episode when we were doing this episode last year, just talking about this building and being like, "This, this yeah, it's ridiculous." Kicked a whole bunch of people out of their homes and demolished like a whole city block for it. It was fucked. So, anyways, during the Autumn of Nations, workers began demonstrating in Timisoara after local Hungarian populations, or after the local Hungarian population, accused the Ceausescu regime of inciting ethnic hatred towards them. The job of crushing the demonstrations was left to his wife, Elena, because uh, what's-his-face was on a visit to Iran. <laughs> and Elena was, like, almost hated worse than Nikolai um, because she was honestly equally... Like, she was probably more evil than him in some ways. Uh, she, was power. she was definitely extremely greedy and did not give a shit about the well-being of the people at yeah. all. Well, all she, she has, like, strong, strong Melania vibes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a really good, uh, yeah, that's definitely Strong a really Melania good. Melania Trump vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she didn't do a very good job of putting down the revolution is my point. And so then they forced a bunch of workers together for Nikolai to make a speech that did not go well. And then they almost got captured. And then eventually they were captured by local police and handed over to the army. And then they were tried on Christmas Day and executed by firing squad two hours later because fuck him apparently um and that's why it was our that's why it was our christmas episode last year you could actually argue that it was a happy ending you could argue it was a happy episode (laughs) yeah oh the fatherland calls to me good yeah for those for those of you who don't remember or don't know uh the patrick family is from romania yeah so thank you i guess the only other good thing that they did is they inspired us to make this list yeah, I mean that is also a positive, but beyond that, it's the the the, the negatives of them out far far outweigh any yeah. positives. They're also quite a bit of a strange, and like I, one of the strange like we can start 
like say, oh, these people are kind of strange to be on the list because they they didn't like mass murder people or order the mass murdering of people like others on this list, but they literally made it so that conditions were so poor that people were dying and extremely oppressed and whatnot. Yeah. So they definitely deserve to be on this list. Also definitely probably not the worst Eastern European dictators. No, no. But we haven't talked about, we and haven't. Like, they, no, we haven't really even gotten to some yeah. of them, but I mean, they didn't, I guess, directly, well, they did directly cause a lot of bad. Um, oh no, yeah, they, did, they, they directly like, caused a lot of bad, yeah. They didn't like literally shoot people, I guess. No, they are, or ga- ga- gather them or up in camps. Or... Yeah, exactly. No, they didn't like do that exactly, but I mean, what they did wasn't exactly that much different yeah. um, in lots of ways, I guess. But that leads us to uh, someone on our very own home soil. Yeah, yeah Sir John A. McDonald's, Canada's contribu- contribution to the fuckface. He's definitely falls under extreme prejudice, a colonialist, and a conspirator. And he just happens to be the first prime minister of Canada. He was prime minister <laughs> between he was prime minister between 1867 and 1973, and then again from 1878 until his death in 1891. And he's also one of the fathers of Confederation. Uh, I believe if you, I, I believe if you listen, if you guys have listened to our Confederation episode, he actually wasn't invited to the to the actual meeting. He just showed up. People didn't really like him that much. No, I don't blame them either. <laughs> he was a drunken douchebag, frankly. Oh uh, yeah, he really was. There's a great story. My, one of my profs, uh, shout out to Keith Brownsey. The way it worked in Parliament is in the morning at the time, like this happened in the mornings, we're reserved for the opposition, and then the afternoon would be, be reserved for the government to respond. McDonald would spend all morning drinking, listening to the opposition complain and whatnot, and then spend the entire afternoon basically in a drunken rant, rant against uh, uh, like countering them and whatnot. <laughs> so his first premiership ended in scandal after it was discovered his party accepted bribes in exchange for contracting certain companies to build the Canadian Pacific Railway. However, he was reelected in 1978. 1878, you mean? Yeah, 1878. Excuse me. We do that a lot, don't we? I was like, whoa. Yeah. Came back from the dead? Yeah, that would not be good. Zombie Johnny. Yeah. Not the person I would be I would hope to come back from the dead. <laughs> Uh, he also sought to colonize the Canadian prairies, which definitely did not go well. Well, it went well for him. It went well for him and the white people, but yeah. the unfair conditions for the First Nations and Métis populations led to the Northwest Rebellion in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. He also approved the execution of rebellion leader Louis Riel, which remains extremely controversial to this day. He helped establish the residential schools, resulting in thousands of First Nations children being taken away from their home, and actually probably tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Considering, uh, considering the system lasted so long. Yeah, absolutely. If it's more, just please correct me, because I I'm, I'm, wouldn't be surprised if it was hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were taken away from their home to Christian-run schools and forced to assimilate with European or white culture. 
many died from the conditions. Many are still traumatized from the horribleness. Yeah, it led led to a lot of just lasting trauma and yeah. That's we're still seeing in like well the schools the school system ended in 1994 so it's not like it even ended that long ago yeah and we're still seeing the effects of his colonial attitudes like with what's going on in Wet'suwet'en and in Nova Scotia he also was part of the creation of what is known as the Chinese head tax which literally was a fee only charged to Chinese immigrants to Canada in order to curb the amount coming to Canada he was not a good guy I I'm not ashamed for him to be on the, like, for us putting him on the list. No, he definitely deserves to be on the list. Absolutely. And anyone who Mm. argues otherwise, go cry about it to the statue in Montreal. Oh, wait, you can't. Uh, So the next guy is, we didn't really talk about him that much, which, uh, but we, but he, we did talk about him. So it counts. (laughs) Also, this is like, and he was important. And also this is for fun. So fuck. Yeah. Like we make the rules. It's our list. We, we talked about him. We, we marked off our one checklist. Uh, there's a man named Hans Kamler, and he is basically the concentration camp engineer extraordinaire. He, he falls under the category of Nazi, duh, mass murderer, and conspirator. He was SS Ubergruppenführer in charge of Nazi civil engineering. And he was the overseer of the construction of numerous concentration camps, including Auschwitz-Birkenau, which is for the, like, if, if people don't know what Auschwitz is at this point, then they need to read a book. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. A million of the people killed in the Holocaust were killed at Auschwitz alone. Uh, he was chosen to oversee the advanced weapons projects after being recommended to Himmler himself. This included the Measure Smith's ME-262 jet and the V-2 rocket program. He used up to 60,000 slave laborers from the camps, of which 20,000 died. He is on record as saying, quote, don't worry about the victims. The work must proceed ahead in the shortest time possible, end quote, end quote. He also worked closely with Werner von Braun, who was the head rocket scientist on the V-2 program. And Braun actually hated the use of slave labor and absol- and the fact that his rockets were used as weapons. Uh, Werner von Braun is quoted as famously quoted as saying, the rockets worked perfectly, they just landed on the wrong planet. Mm-hmm. He also hated Kamler because Kamler is not a particularly likable guy. <laughs> no. In March 1945, Kamler ordered the, Z, the ZV division to massacre the laborers and their families, resulting in the deaths of 200 people, all because his car was held up due to the roads being too crowded. He actually ended up disappearing prior to the end of the war in Europe, and his fate remains unknown, although considering the fate of many Nazis, he probably killed himself. Yeah. Or ended up in Argentina, who knows. So, yeah, even though we briefly talked about him, he makes up number 10 on the list. Yeah, you know, important. Um, So after him is uh, somebody else who we didn't talk about a ton, but also did talk about in the uh, the same episode. episode. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the moon landing episode. 
funny how in such a positive event we managed to get two fuck things <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so Laurenti Beria was uh the Soviet Himmler essentially uh he was a mass murderer conspirator and megalomaniac um he was the minister of internal affairs the head of the NK- NKVD which is the predecessor of the KGB from November 1938 until December 1945 and then again from March to June of 1953. Uh, yeah, a sadistic individual who was responsible for the torture, disappearance, and death of thousands of people. He was personally responsible for the uh, Katyn massacre under the orders of Stalin. Uh, 22,000 20, no, 22, Polish intelligentsia and military officers were murdered by the NKVD between April and May of 1940 following the Soviet invasion of Poland and uh, yeah, they... Well, the Nazis committed their atrocities, the Soviets did theirs. Barry is the one who convinced Stalin to expand the gulags. Uh, during the Yalta conference, Stalin introduced Barry to Roosevelt and Ch- Churchill as our Himmler. Not really something you should be bragging about, but no. I mean, okay. Um, there's good evidence to suggest that he was a sexual predator who raped and otherwise assaulted women he was interrogating. Uh, his bodyguards also recalled how Barry would point out women he saw during his walks, ordering these women to be brought to his mansion for gross, disgusting things with a gross, disgusting man. Following Stalin's death, he made an attempt to take power himself. He pretended to support uh, Georgi uh, Malenkov as a successor and was appointed first deputy. Oh my God, first deputy. (laughs) Uh, He tried to, uh, tried to show, or tried to uh, feign himself as a reformist or paint himself as a reformist, calling for the release of thousands of political prisoners, even, and even the reunification of Germany. However, Khrushchev was also working to gain power and managed to gain support from the biggest faction, the army under Zhukov. On June 26, 1953, during a meeting of the Council of Ministers, Beria was arrested by soldiers and brought to a mock trial, not much different than the thousands Beria had conducted himself. He was charged with it, which is really just a fitting end. Oh, yeah. Um, He was charged with an overwhelming number of crimes, treason, counter-revolutionary activity, terrorism, rape, you name it, he got charged. And he was found guilty on all of them in order to be shot, because obviously uh, he'd had no other way of getting out of that. And he was, as he was being led outside, Beria felt his knees crying and begging not to be shot. He was then shot in the head and killed, because again, what else was going to happen? His body was burned and his ashes scattered in an undisclosed location outside of Moscow, which is, again, a fitting death for an evil fucking guy. Oh, yeah. The fact that he begged on his knees crying not to be shot. Yeah. like Makes it up. so much get sweeter. Up. Yeah, fucking baby. Yeah. And to think of like all the all the people he saw before do the exact same thing and then only, only for him to do what he forced so many people to go through is so fitting. Yeah. Um, again, Lindsay and I aren't really fan of mock trials, but there are definitely people like the Changescus and Beria that we can't feel sorry about. So. Yeah. Now we move on to an American. Uh, yeah, an American makes a list. Yeah. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI boss and spook fuckface. And he falls under conspirator and megalomaniac because boy, was he ever. He was the first director of, of the Federal Bureau of Investigation from May 1924 until May 1972. He was the man responsible for reforming the Bureau of Investigation into what is now known as the FBI. He helped modernize investigation techniques at a federal level, including the use of fingerprinting, filing, and creating a forensics lab he established also the first national blacklist which is called the fbi index which is now the terrorist uh, index 
He was extremely megalomaniacal. Can't stress that enough. And can't even pronounce the word properly. Uh, and was also <laughs> extremely paranoid about potential communist insurrection. He was instrumental in be- beginning COINTELPRO, which surveyed, harassed, and even caused physical harm to suspected agitators. Much of the program's methods were illegal and unconstitutional. He ordered the program to target civil rights advocates during the civil rights movement, including Martin Luther King. The program attempted to blackmail King into committing suicide. Uh, COINTELPRO caused actress Jean Seberg to miscarry her child after claiming the child's real father was a member of the Black Panther Party. She later committed suicide on the anniversary of her child's death. COINTELPRO also acted through the Chicago police in the murder of Fred Hampton. He and the others in the apartment were drugged and then shot to death by police in what it was basically an execution. He died on May 2nd, 1972, and following his death, the FBI area of paranoia largely, but not completely, died with him. And unfortunately, there's still COINTELPRO-like tactics being done on people like Black Lives Matter and other (laughs) Antifa. Yeah. Lots of rumors about this man, but none that were ever proven. But the man was sick and nuts you know pretty much like everyone else on this list that's generally a a prerequisite for being on the list yeah (laughs) yeah pretty much generally generally comes with that yeah uh number 13 is actually a a throwback to one of our very first second episode we ever did yeah um so count amico of uh Um, mass murderer, megalomaniac, extreme prejudice, warlord. Uh, he was the leader of the German contingent during the Peasants' Crusade in 1096. He was uh, extremely anti-Semitic. This is in large part due to the perception that Jews had crucified Jesus. That was the prevailing view at the time. So on the way to Constantinople, Amico decided to attack the local Jewish populations throughout the German regions, because why not? They're closer. Basically. The attacks were motivated by anti-Semitism and to blunder any riches the Jewish people had. Many soldiers in the Peasants' Crusade practically bankrupted themselves to obtain arms and armor. Uh, The communities in Spire, Worms, and Mainz were almost completely destroyed, and tens of thousands of Jewish people were killed. The bishops of Mainz, Spire, and Worms put up a valiant effort to save the Jewish people in their communities. In Spire, the bishop took them under his personal protection and even had the hands of attackers cut off. In Mainz, the bishop hid as many as he could in his home, but Amico's peasants forced their way in and slaughtered the lot. The Bishop of Worms rallied a personal guard and fought against the peasants. Amico's forces eventually made it to Anatolia, where they were mostly killed by the better trained and equipped uh, Seljuks. Right? Yep. Seljuks or... I've just heard Seljuks, but yeah. When Amico returned home, he was branded as a coward for failing to reach Jerusalem, or at least die trying, and remained a disgrace for the remainder of his life, which... It's like the least you could have done has died trying to get there is yeah. basically like, the idea. Fuck, dude. Yeah, you can't even you can't even die a martyr. Yeah. <laughs> not like any of those people. That that whole go back and listen to the episode. That whole thing was a fucking mess. So. Yeah. <laughs> Number 14 is Leonid Brezhnev, who we talked quite extensively during the Soviet Afghan war episode. Uh, He was Soviet premier from 1964 until 1982, so 18 years. The only person to beat him was Stalin. 
Yeah. He was the successor of Nikita Khrushchev and practiced a more orthodox Marxist-Leninist policies. Not as extreme as Stalin, but also nowhere near as reformist as Khrushchev. He launched the invasion of Czechoslovakia following the Prague Spring, ousting reformist Alexander Dubček and replacing him with the more, quote-unquote, cooperative Gustav Huzak. He drafted the Brezhnev Doctrine, which proclaimed the Soviet Union would intervene militarily in any Warsaw Pact member state should there be a threat to socialism, quote-unquote, under threat, basically wanting to, you know, more independence, more democratization, closer ties to the West. He plotted and ordered the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in order to replace the local regime with a Soviet-backed government. This led to the Soviet-Afghan War and destabilized the country to the point that it is still a hotbed today. Brezhnev's cult of personality, while not replicating Stalin's completely, was the closest another Soviet premier had to matching it. Brezhnev ended the reforms under Khrushchev, leading to social stagnation within the country. The birth rate dropped by 25%, and infant mortality rose by 15%. The stagnation also worsened the economic situation in the Soviet Union, from which it, would, it was not able to recover. Really kick-started, in a way, the demise of the Soviet Union. 100%, it, yeah. Like, it was already, I mean, it was very much not going well. But his death kind of just led to the, it just added the right amount of chaos to the situation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so rounding out the top 15, which is kind of where we're going to end the list here. Well, end the detail, detailed list here, <laughs> is uh, Slobodan Praljak, who was a conspirator and warlord. Uh, again, back from our uh, Bosnian, or the Bosnian War Yugoslav episodes. A lot of fuckface content was generated from those episodes. Slobodan was the general of the Croatian Defense Council in Bosnia. He served, as, served in the Croatian War of Independence and the Bosnian War. Uh, he failed to prevent many war crimes brought to his attention. So that's kind of where why he lands like late on this list, is that he didn't directly order anything, but he didn't stop anything either. He was in command of the uh, Dritel camp, or where up to 2,800 Bosniak and Bosnian Serb men were confined, tortured, starved, and even murdered. Uh, he made no attempt to stop his atrocities, and he's believed to have ordered them, but there's no, like, hard proof. Yeah. He has, it's not, he probably did it, though. Like, let's be real. Uh, he has also been accused of causing a disproportionate amount of damage to Muslim property and acting against the Muslim, po Muslim population. Um, he became a businessman after the war, producing films and TV programs, which just does not seem like a good idea. Yeah. One guy becomes uh, a practitioner a specialist in alternative medicine, and then this guy's producing fucking films. Like, okay, <laughs> this is going well. Yeah. So, oh my God. He surrendered to the International Criminal Tribunal in 2004 following his indictment, and he was found guilty for violating the laws of war, breaching the G Geneva Convention and crimes against humanity following a failed appeal. So he has a, he has a flair for the dramatics following <laughs> his failed appeal. Uh, Praljak rose in the court and announced he, he rejected the verdict. He then drank a small, small vial of liquid, claiming it was poison. He died hours later. Watching it, it is like something out of a Shakespeare play. Right? Yes, I have seen the... There's video of him drinking this. There's no video of him dying, but there's video of him drinking the the mysterious liquid. And it is like... like I kind of rewatched it again when preparing for this episode, and I'm like, it is like watching a Shakespeare play, almost. Right? I mean, not as beautiful, like, I'm sure it's beautifully worded 
I say I, it's weird to say beautifully worded, but I'm sure it's like sounds a lot more poetic when he's saying it, but like when it's translated, just not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus the the reaction from the judge, just like not knowing what to do. Right. Like, um, get him medical help. It, well, it, it but, takes like, him a moment. Like he's just kind of staring in amazement. Well, no, the judge, the judge is just like, uh, yeah. Like, and then he, and I, then he's I guess like, we should oh. get him help. Like, well, he's just like, okay. Uh, but kudos to the judge for remaining calm. Cause he, yeah. because he's like, okay. And then he's, he just like takes a moment staring at him and then says, right. I think we shall st- end today's proceedings. It, it seems weird that we're laughing at this, but it is like, what is it? Uh, comedy is just tragedy plus time. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and st- although it's not really tragic that like the only tragic thing is about project dying is that he didn't face, he didn't get the, he didn't get to ha- have to be behind bars. The only tragic thing about his loss. Yeah, ju- yeah, justice was never actually really served. No, I guess. So I guess after that, should we just kind of go through the? Yeah, we can kind of go through who else. Like just to kind of give, we'll give you an idea of who else is on this. So we got. <laughs> We've got Slobodan Milosevic, Singman Rhee, Queen Victoria. Like we said, can be anybody. Um, I feel like that one's going to make people angry, but whatever. Meh. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, America's got a couple on here. David Duke, another fine, fine Klansman. Yeah. We talked about him in our Clan in Canada episode. So we didn't talk about Duke like a whole lot, but whatever. Um, Slow, actually a really cool podcast uh, called Slow Burn did their fourth season, yeah. I think is on him. It's really good. Check that out. Fred Rose yeah. from the Front de Libération de Quebec. He's the man who strangled Pierre Laporte. I do not believe that he did it by accident. He did it on purpose. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely, yeah. So. Senator Joe McCarthy, general yeah. piece of shit. Uh, these are, I mean, they're all pieces of shit. Who are yeah. we doing? Uh, Gustav Husak. Uh, Frank Robert Wake, which is a weird name to be on there. And for people who don't know, he's the man who invented the fruit machine that we talked about in our LGBT rights history. Yeah. <laughs> So like we said, this list is definitely going to grow and it's going to change for sure over time. But that's that's generally the, the list. And uh, we think it's pretty solid. But if you yeah. have any objections or, you know, changes I mean, you'd like to make. Yeah, this, to this is the list. This is the list for now, at least, because. Yeah, as we talk about new people, it's going to change for sure. Um, I mean, I think. I feel like the top five is probably pretty set. <laughs> Yeah, until we talk about like Heydrich and Himmler. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know what? There is actually a lot of movement outside of the top two. You know, that's that's right. I think the top two are pretty set. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, I don't think so either. But I do think, yeah, I, you know what? There should be a lot of movement actually on this list. So I think it's going to be a fun addition to the podcast. It's like we have a dark sense of humor, in case you haven't noticed, and <laughs> it seems like a fun way to add some levity to all of the the darkness in history. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to have a dark sense of humor if you if you're into history, because in a lot of ways, that's what history is: is dark humor. It's true. It's true. Life is quite absurd. Yeah. Uh, do you mind before we leave if I uh, lighten the mood up a bit? A bit. Uh, do you mind if I tell the story about the piano? Yeah. <laughs> so this is how absurd my life is. Speaking of life is absurd. Yeah. 
this is how absurd my life is. I mean, uh, and you're about to learn that the absurdity did not end with Cirque du Soleil. For those of you who don't know, I toured with Cirque du Soleil for two years when I was between the ages of nine and 11. My mom dated the clown, a wonderful, talented woman named Mookie Cornish who I'm still really good friends with and still talk to and uh, <laughs> pick up pianos for, as it turns out. Uh, for those of you who want to get to know Mookie a little bit better, join us on our Patreon. There is an episode of Museum of Controversy where her and I talk about controversial flags. And you kind of, and you really get to know what, she, like, she's, she's very intelligent and opinionated. So, but uh, one day out of the blue, I get a message from her. And uh, she says, do you think you could be able to pick up a miniature piano for me and just keep it for a bit so I can pick it up? And I'm like, uh, okay, it depends on how big the piano is. She sends me a picture. It's tiny. Like it's, it's a little to- tiny toy piano kind of thing, shaped like a grand piano. And, and I'm like, okay, what's the piano for? And she's like, well, I'm going to teach my chickens to play the piano. Because, yes, she has two pet chickens. And friends, it is wonderful. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of like, okay. And I'm like, you're going to, you're, you're really going to do this? And she's like, yeah. And I get, like, I don't know if this is how, like, she actually was thinking, but I kind of got the vibe that she was like, why is that weird? Like, what do you mean, why is it weird? And she's like, yeah. But she was like, oh, I saw, like, some, I saw a guy on America's Got Talent who had his chickens play the piano. And it's like, Okay, you know what? I'll pick up the piano. Why not? And the reason why I had to pick up the piano is because she lives nine hours away. <laughs> and uh, the pia- she bought the piano like literally 30 minutes or like at least at most 40 minutes from my house. Long story short, she, vis- she finally has the piano and she sends me a video and it's of one of her chickens actually pecking at the keys. So there's definitely some progress being made. The greatest thing this ever, is my honestly. fucking life and i like i like said to Lindsay was the first person i told us like i have to go pick up this piano because mookie's going to teach the chickens how to play piano <laughs> and i'm just like like i don't i what can i say there is there are no words this is my there life no Lindsay. well and then i made the joke like uh, the absurdity did not end with cirque du soleil Lindsay was just like clearly <laughs> That happened back in November, and she sent me the video recently. And I did ask if she could, uh, if I could talk about this, and she's she's fine with it. It's funny; she gets it. <laughs> great. They're very lovely. So look out for um, Mookie's musical chickens. <laughs> anyway, that's my story. Oh man. Yeah, this is. It's been a. It's definitely been a weird year, but I'm definitely not complaining about that. <laughs> No, that's definitely not one of the worst, not one of the worst things to happen this year by any stretch. Oh God, no. It's one of the best. It's like, certainly one of the best. That's this that's one of the things I remember I told you this exact thing, but I'm like, I I was like, I really hope that she actually does teach these chickens to play piano because that would honestly right? be the greatest fucking thing ever. I I want to hear some tunes coming from these chickens. Yeah. Very amazing to watch. And uh now my mom says that she has to start teaching her bunny to play piano i'm expecting a battle of the bands between the bunny and the chickens <laughs> ruby versus the chickens 
the chickens do have names. I just can't remember the names, but yeah. So that's Ruby. Or they could just join up and form a band and have Ruby and the chickens. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Mom, if you're listening to this, and Mookie, if you're listening to this, Aaron, I, yeah, that's, that's my other contribution for other nonsense <laughs> this time around. I guess we should, yeah, I guess we could start our pandering. Oh, God. A right. bit. As you, as you notice, like it, it has been less frequent than the past couple of years, uh, just because life is strange uh, with COVID and uh, Lindsay's, Lindsay has a full time job, <laughs> whereas I don't. So, I, yeah, like the last, this last season or two has been a little less frequent. We've just been really, really fucking busy, honestly. But uh, we're trying. Yeah, we're trying. And, no one seems uh, to be too upset. You, Thankfully. No, um, but I mean, if you want to help us make this more regular and, you know, not have full-time jobs, uh, you can support us in other ways. So we have a Patreon. There are some fun perks, which include Kevin phone wallpapers. So you yep. probably get on that. Uh, some outtakes. Yeah. And potential floor special episodes. So check that out. Starting next year, we're actually, we signed up for some for somewhere that's actually going to give us a flat rate per month if we read certain ads out on the podcast. So uh, from now on, for, at the beginning and at the end of the episode, or probably most likely just the beginning of the episode, we're going to, there's going to be an ad for something. It, it depends on what's being offered at the time. Uh, but next episode, you'll see what we're talking about and it'll, it'll be at the beginning of the episode. Uh, as for promo codes, that's another thing we're going to start doing a lot more, I guess, uh, in starting in January is we signed up for something on Amazon. Basically, they give us a promotional link. You click on the link and then any if you like what you see and you purchase it, then we get paid for it a certain amount. So, Yeah. Uh, these are always to help us out and... Uh... We appreciate that support. Um, as always, though, just keep listening and interacting with us on social media. You can follow us at Panastoria Pod on Twitter and Panastoria Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Just even if you just come for Kevin, at least listen to some Truly. of our episodes, please. Next episode, we're going to be doing a biography on Tommy Douglas, who was voted the greatest Canadian back in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. And you'll find out why, because we will we will talk about that. Yeah. And we need to put some brightness in this uh, dark time. Yeah. And, and who, we've had a string of kind of sad episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and who better to talk about in the sad, like particular sad time than the father of socialized Medicare in Canada? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So All after right. that, I think we only have like three episodes after that for the season. And then yeah, the marathon season four will be coming to an end. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a whole other slate of cool episodes in season five. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think that's it, unless you have anything else. Oh, nope. New Year's. Right, yeah. <laughs> Man, we suck at this. We, uh, <laughs> we're bringing trivia back. If you're interested in joining trivia, it will be by donation, with uh, 50% of the proceeds going towards some to-be-announced charities here in Calgary. Email us at panhistoriapodcast at gmail.com if you're interested or hit us up on social media and we'll uh, get that process going. But stay tuned for updates on social media. We'll have more to come here in the next couple of days. Absolutely. I mean, there should have already been an announcement on Facebook, I believe, 
this past weekend. Yes. But basically, the idea is that you like with the donation, you send uh, send us your email. We will send you the link to the Zoom meeting. And yeah, and you get to play trivia with us. At least a yeah. couple couple hours, maybe maybe less. Probably about like I don't know how long. Our triv- I, I don't remember how long our previous trivia nights were, but yeah. So. A couple hours. Yeah. It'll be a couple hours of fun at least, and you get to hang out with us and do what I mean. What the hell else are you doing on New Year's Eve this year? Yeah. Also, it's just a donation per Zoom account. We're not gonna like if if there's if you and your significant other or yeah. friend or whatnot are on the same account and whatnot, we're not gonna charge for both of you. Obviously, so it's just per Zoom account kind of thing. So yeah. Um, I mean, cool. if you don't both want to donate, we're, we're more than happy, but yeah. So that's going to be New Year's. And then, yeah, hopefully this second wave starts to curve. <sighs> Ideally. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, it'd be very nice. So, but yeah, hopefully just stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask. Love Kevin. Be good to each other. Be 100% and, uh, good to each other. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. We'll see you in 2021. Thank you guys so much. My name is Jonah. I'm Lindsay. Take care.